Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you so much for your giving. Good morning to everybody. Glad to have you in God's house. Anybody excited for the Word of God today? Man, I'm excited. I've been in a series called A Healthy House, and we have been talking about a lot of things as it relates to the family unit, to having a healthy house. Um, Unfortunately, in our culture, a lot of families would not be described as healthy. They would not be described as blessed. Um, But a lot of the words thrown around are dysfunctional, tension, strife, conflict, divorce, uh, all kinds of things that are not what we would call healthy or blessed. Uh, How many of you know that families are under attack in our nation, that that kids, our kids are under attack? Um, And what I want you to know is that we will not arrive at a healthy place accidentally. You're going to be healthy in your house. It's going to be intentional. You're going to have to decide to go. We, we don't drift towards um, health. We drift towards chaos. And so we got to be intentional if we're going to have a healthy home to make decisions that, that will produce that. In week one of the series, we talked about no hiding, all seeking. The beatitude in which Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be Field. That was the first message. And in that message, we talked about the importance of involving God in our everyday conversations. Why? We're not just a Christian home. We are a Christ-centered family. I'm going to keep saying it. I know I've been saying it. But there is a difference between being Christian and being Christ-centered. And I don't want, you know, to pastor a church where we're all just cool saying we're Christian because that's the cool thing to do. I want us to be Christ-centered. I want revival to be poured out on this house, but if if revival is going to be poured out on this house, it needs to start in your house. It needs to start in my house. And so we, we talked about hungering and thirsting for God, and we will be filled. In week two last week, we talked about pure hearts. We looked at the beatitude in which Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And you need to know when... Jesus said that he's not talking about just, just that we'll see God in heaven. That's true. But blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I believe the pure in heart see God in a way that those who are not pure in heart never get to experience. When we are pure in heart, we see, we see God move in supernatural ways. And I want you to see that in your individual life and in your family. Today we're switching gears because I want to talk to you about peace in the home. I'm going to talk to you about peacemakers. Peacemakers. Everybody say peacemakers. Um, honestly, um, a lot of our homes would not be labeled or defined as homes of peace. But a lot of homes are filled with conflict, strife, and tension. I believe that God has something better for you than that. How many believe he's got something better for you? I believe he's got something better for you, your children, and your home. 
Before we dive into the scripture that I have for you today, um, I want to speak to every person that's watching online or you're here today and you would kind of push back a little bit and say, Pastor, this is great. My house has a lot of dysfunction in it, uh, but most of it's not my fault. I know we got some of those people in the house today. We got a lot of dysfunction at our house, but it's not my fault. And the reality is, is that may be true because every home has at least one incredibly difficult family member. I'm going to say it a different way. Every family's got a psycho. Come on, y'all, smile. Every family's got a crazy person. Um, and it may not be in your immediate household, but it may be an extended family member. Uh, it's almost like it's a spiritual principle that every family's got to have one crazy person. Um, and just to show you what I'm talking about, if you have at least one person, whether it's in your immediate house or your extended family, somewhere in your lineage, there is at least one crazy person. I want you to raise your hand and keep it up for just a minute. You got at least one crazy person. Everybody look around. Look around while the hands are up. Everybody look around. Come on, keep them up. Now, y'all see a lot of hands are up, right? Uh, there are several hands that didn't go up. We found our crazy people, all right? I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding kidding. Don't throw anything. Don't throw anything. Um, I, I did that because relationships are difficult. Can we be real honest and just admit relationships are not easy? Relationships are extremely challenging. And it's amazing, uh, especially in our families, how easily we can, we can begin to drift into dysfunction to where we call things normal, <laughs> that's anything but normal. Like, it's, it's a lot of things. It's not normal, but we call it normal. At our house, we, we have three kids in our home, and from time to time, two of those, um, Zeke and Everly, love to, like, play. And they, I mean, he gets her to play football, and, uh, like, they're tackling each other in the TV room. I mean, they get crazy. And every once in a while, you know, they'll be playing. You can hear the banging. You know, it's only going to be a minute or two before somebody comes out, and they, they're going to say, you know, I'm hurt. He hurt me. And usually it's Everly. You hear those little footsteps coming down the hallway. Daddy, he hurt me. About a minute later, Zeke comes down the hallway. No, I didn't hurt, hurt her. She hurt me. You know, he hurt me, no, she hurt me, and then they look at each other, and they get over it, and it's like, let's go do it again. And that describes a lot of our homes. Like, we hurt one another, and then it's like, let's go do that again. Let's, let's have the same argument. Let's have the same fight. Let's go through the same problems. We're hurting each other, but let's sign up and do it all over again. Now, I, I want you to have peace, and, and for some of you that are here and, and you would say, you know, I don't have a lot of peace in my house, and it could be a lot of different reasons. Some of us, we don't have peace in the home. It could be a mom here who's raising her kids to the best of her ability, but her mom is making her feel like she's inadequate, and so there's tension in that relationship. It could be teenagers that feel like they'll never earn mom and dad's trust again. I don't know what it is for you, but there could be a lot of reasons as to why you don't have peace and why you're experiencing tension and conflict in, their, in those relationships. And some of you, maybe you've even arrived at a place where you're like, how in the world could there ever be peace in my house? 
How, how is that ever going to be possible with so many moving parts? Well, this next beatitude, I believe what Jesus teaches, and not only what he teaches, how many know Jesus always accompanies his word with demonstration? I believe the Holy Spirit's going to do a supernatural work in this room today in the 11 o'clock service. I believe that he's going to do something supernatural. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Everybody say peacemakers. All right, very important. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Um, The word peace from Scripture has a much bigger meaning than our word peace. Usually when we throw around words like peace, we just mean everybody shut up and sit down. Like, okay, now we have peace. But, but in the Hebrew, it's the word shalom. And, you know, the definition of God's peace is a lot different than the definition of our peace. For example, when they would greet one another with shalom, they were speaking peace over one another in Bible times, and that's the Hebrew word for peace. Um, it, it not only meant I I wish that you experienced nothing bad, which it did mean that. I don't want any bad to come on your house. But it also meant, I wish you the highest good. I don't want anything bad to happen, and I wish you the highest good. That's what the word peace means. And so Jesus says that he wants your house peaceful. When he says that, he's stating that he wants your house absent of strife, but he also wants your house filled with good. How many want your house absent of strife and filled with good things, right? That's a promise that Jesus has for you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And this statement, we read that, and it's like, that's a given. That's a great verse. Thank you, Jesus. You know, wonderful. Blessed are the peacemakers. And we all know the verse. But if you don't know the context in which he said this, He was saying this in an environment and to a group of people that had the mindset that of eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. He's talking to a group of people that have been trained that if you hit me, I'm punching you back. If you steal from me, I'm stealing from you. What you do to me, I'm going to do to you. And so he's talking to a group of people that have been thinking like that for generations, and Jesus shows up and says, blessed are not the people who punch back when they've been hit. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. Totally new concept to the people listening to him. They, they, totally, they don't see the world at all like that. And he noted, I want you to notice He said, peacemakers, not peacekeepers. And this is very important that we understand. There's a big difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. So what what is the big difference? A peacekeeper avoids conflict to keep the peace. That's a peacekeeper. They will work around the issues, not through the issues, Trying to keep the peace. They will settle for a truce. They, they're the people that say, let's not talk about that. 
Uh, it's the people that gets everybody together for Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving dinner, and we know there's tension, conflict, and strife, but we're all going to pretend like we don't have any conflict, tension, or strife because we're peacekeepers. We don't talk about that, and, and bless God, we are happy. And if not, we're going to pretend like it till everybody goes home. Then we're going to talk about each other because we're not happy. We're peacekeepers. We just don't want to bring it up. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to touch the wound. We don't want to have healthy conversations or crucial conversations. We want to pretend that everything's okay until somebody finally blows up. And then maybe multiple people blow up. And it's like, how did this happen? I'll tell you how it happened. Years of unresolved issues. We had a bunch of peacekeepers that did not want to have the conversation. And how many know when it hits the fan? Can I say that in church? It's ugly. Because we did not deal with issues for years, and now it blows up. Because everybody wanted to be a peacekeeper. Jesus did not call you and I to be peacekeepers. He called us to be peacemakers. A peacemaker embraces conflict to make peace. So, in, in other words, a peacemaker does not work around the issues. They work through the issues. We, we work on the issues and through the issues. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, after all, you all know Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, right? If we can work through the issues as a peacemaker, we should be able to arrive in our home, if we want a healthy house, at a place of peace, Again, we are not just a Christian home. We are a Christ-centered home. And some of us, I know that's a big struggle, but in this culture in which we live, it's kind of the end thing or the cool thing to be Christian. Some people even, you know, I don't really believe in anyone else, so, you know, yeah, I guess I'm a Christian. But I want more for you and your house than just the name Christian. I want Jesus to be the central of everything you do the center of your marriage, the center of your parenting, the center of how you, you manage your finances. How many know Jesus is not just a part of our life, he is our life. There's a big difference. So many people that are just culturally Christian, they don't work through issues well. Matter of fact, they write people off quickly. They, they quit the marriage quickly. They, they, you know, stiff arm people fast. Like they just, I'm done. I'm not working through it. I'm not, I, I don't need the conflict. And instead of bringing Jesus into the conflict and making him the center of what we do, we just add him as a part. And, and so it can, you can fall into the trap of, yeah, he's, he's great on Sunday, but you don't, you don't know him at all Monday through Saturday. You don't know him at all in your marriage, in your parenting. And so that's, that's what begins to happen. And we write people off. And when it comes to things like forgiveness, we're like, forgive them? No way. I'm not forgiving them. I'll never. They'll have to come back to me crawling. And even if they come back to me crawling and ask for forgiveness, I'm going to make them beg. You know, that's kind of the mindset. But Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. In a Christ-centered home, Jesus teaches us how to navigate relationships. The Apostle Paul complimented what Jesus said in Romans chapter 12, 
verses 17 and 18 and verse 21. He said, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live with peace with everyone. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's, it's such a powerful statement that, that the Apostle Paul gives. He says, as far as it depends on you, live in peace with everyone. That's what the Word of God teaches us to do. As far as, uh, how many like that line, as far as it depends on you? <laughs> like, I really like that line because some people don't want peace no matter what. It doesn't matter what you do. They don't want peace. They want conflict. They want strife. They want tension. But that doesn't mean you got to live in that. That, that. that doesn't mean you got to stay there. As far as it depends on you, you can be at peace. Now, for those of you saying, I hope so-and-so is really listening to this message because they really need it. No, 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 no. I want you to hear God's word, and I want you to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you. I don't want you to be thinking, yeah, my spouse really needs this one. This person really needs this message. I hope they, you know, listen to PC. No, everybody needs to hear the word of God for themselves today, all right? So what, if, if peacemakers are called children of God, and it's important that we are peacemakers, we got to ask, what do peacemakers do? I'm going to give you three things peacemakers do. Number one, peacemakers tell the truth in love. They tell the truth in love. In Ephesians 4.15, it says, Instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Because we are a Christ-centered home, we tell the truth. Okay? It's important to tell the truth, especially in a culture and a church culture that's been nothing but grace, 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 more grace. Oh, you need some more mercy. You need some more grace. You need some more grace and mercy. At some point, we got to stop, take a time out, and realize Jesus is not only grace, Jesus is truth. He is truth. And some people do not want to hear the truth. But as a peacemaker, we don't avoid the conflict. We work through the conflict, which means sometimes when I tell you the truth in love, how many, that the conflict may go to a next level for a minute. I can't control what they do with the information, but I am commanded by Scripture to tell the truth in love. Now, let, let me just say this. He says, tell the truth in love. He didn't say yell the truth in love. Come on, some of you husbands and wives. Your dirty clothes is in here again. I'm your maid. I'll pick it. Come on, y'all. You, 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 you yell the truth instead of speaking the truth. He didn't say yell the truth. He said speak the truth. And, and another side note, a lot of times it's good to deal with conflict, to, to have those tough conversations to tell the truth during non-conflict times. And what I mean by that, there are certain issues that you need to work through in your home that's not, you're not going to get anywhere positive wait until both of you have lost your cool and now we're going to talk about the truth. Both of y'all may need to go get a cold shower and then come back and we're going to deal with this in a non-conflict environment, but we're going to tell the truth. 
Here's another little side note. Not only are we going to deal with it during a non-conflict time, but we're going to attack the issue, not the person. How fast can it get in a home where we're not even dealing with the issues now? We're, we're assassinating their character. We're tearing them down. Instead of dealing with the issue, we're now cutting down the person. We confront the issue, never the person. So remember, we're talking about family. Is that what we're talking about in this series? We're talking about family on having a healthy house, a healthy home. And this, these principles will work at the workplace. It will work at school. It'll work in every part of your life. But some of you, you're way more patient with your coworkers than you are your own family. Like some of the things you say in your house, you would never say to a coworker. But because you get familiar and you get comfortable, you think, I can say whatever I want. And you, you think, I can deal with it whenever you want to deal with it. But how many know in the house, we should have more patience, more grace, more opportunities to have real conversations in our home than anywhere else. That should be, that should be a given. In our home, we should be able to have those conversations. Timing, though, is everything. If your spouse does something that bothers you, if your children do stuff that get, get on your nerves, it's probably not best to fly off the handle and let them have it. It's probably best to cool down and then have the conversation. And I'm not telling you to pretend like the issues are not there. I just want us to handle the issues in a way that honors God. And here's a little pet peeve of mine. How many think the church should be the easiest place to deal with issues? I got about three amens, but that's, that's about the way every, because people that come to church, you know what, they, they don't want you to deal with any issues, especially if it's their issue. I'm offended, I'll never be back. You hear all that kind of stuff. It's like, if we're all here for Jesus, and it's Christ-centered families coming to a church that is Christ-centered, we should be able to deal with your issue without you getting mad and running off. You ought to put on your big girl pants, your big boy pants, and be able to handle somebody tell you the truth in love. But the church is like the hardest place to tell people the truth. It ought to be the easiest place to deal with issues. We are not peacekeepers. We are peacemakers. Um, secondly, what do we do? Number one, we have to tell the truth in love. And number two, we apologize when we're wrong. So important that we apologize when we're wrong. Have you ever met someone that would never apologize? Like they, they just, they're never going to say, I'm sorry. That's, that's not the kind of person you want to hang out with. It's not the kind of person you want to do life with. If they can never say, I'm sorry. Look at what James chapter 5, verse 16 says. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. What do you think our relationships would look like? What, what do you think the relationships in your house would look like if when you miss the mark, and let's not even call miss the mark. When you sin, that you say, I'm sorry. I dropped the ball. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. You, you, you take ownership over what you, you did, and you ask for forgiveness, whether that be to your spouse or to a parent. How many of sometimes as parents, we need to ask our kids to forgive us that we dropped the ball? 
that we didn't handle a circumstance. How many of you parents have ever had to go back to your kids and say, I'm sorry, I mishandled you there, right? There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's a Christ-centered thing that you can ha- go and have the conversation and say, that, I, I messed that up. I'm human. I'm supposed to model this for you. I messed that up. And it's okay to have the conversation where you apologize. It teaches our kids what repentance looks like, what change looks like. So peacemakers apologize when they're wrong. Now, how do we do that? It's important. How many, you can apologize, and it, instead of it being an apology, it can be pathetic, right? Where we say things like, y- y'all have never done this, just me. I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt. Come on, y'all, y'all never done that, right? I, I'm sorry your feelings got hurt. That's not an apology. That's called pathetic. All right? If we're going to apologize, we need to apologize for specific behaviors, specific things we did. If it's something we said, we need to apologize for what we said. If it's something we did, we need to apologize for what we did. We apologize for the specifics. We, we, we say them out loud. I'm sorry that I did fill in the blank. And not, I'm sorry, but you made me. Come on, y'all. Yeah, how many want peace in your house? Like, if you want peace in your house, come on, give the Lord a hand right there. It's real quiet. Karen asked me after the first service, she said, did you have fun? I said, no. None. Usually I have fun preaching. Today's not been that much fun. And, and the reason is because I know we're, we're touching a place where people are living. There's strife, there's tension, there's unforgiveness, there's all kinds of stuff inside of family units that keep them from becoming healthy, keep them from being blessed. Um, Real important that that we we take ownership and we say things like, I'm sorry I raised my voice. I'm sorry I embarrassed you in front of your friend. Whatever it is you did, like own what it is. I'm sorry that I I threw the cat off the roof to see if he would land on all fours. And he he did, and I, I, I won't do it again, but maybe I will. He made it. I'm sorry. You know, whatever it is, we apologize. So if we're wrong, we're going we're gonna to admit that we're wrong. And here, here's the thing. There's a big difference between remorse and repentance. A lot of people are remorseful. In other words, they feel bad that, that you're hurt. They feel bad that they upset you. They, uh, you know, there's that, ugh, this don't feel, I got caught. You know, it's, that's remorse. Repentance is much greater than remorse. Repentance is, I was wrong, I sinned, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? That's what repentance looks like. And when you sin, don't stop with, I'm sorry. Get at least to the place where you ask the person you've sinned against or the person you've hurt, will you forgive me? How many know we need to have more conversations like that? We need to have more conversations like that. Now, couple of extra things. I, I want you to see this. I say I'm sorry for mistakes I make. Will you forgive me? That's for sins I've committed. I'm sorry works when I left the toilet seat, seat up or the, the toilet lid up. That's, that word, that's a mistake. Will you forgive me for deceiving you? That's sin. Y'all see the difference? I don't need you... Get, 
getting on all fours and, and begging forgiveness because you left a dish in the sink. That's a mistake. I'm sorry, move on, right? But if you've sinned against your spouse or against your kids, if your kids, if the kids, you've sinned against your parents, I'm sorry with, will you forgive me? Very important. One of the best apologies you can give your family is repentance. And what, what do I mean by that? It means not only am I going to say, I'm sorry, and will you forgive me, I'm going to change my behavior that led to your pain. I'm going to change it. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. It can be difficult at times to be a peacemaker. Difficult but doable. So we are going to tell the truth in love. We're going to apologize when we're wrong. Number three, we're going to forgive and let go. Forgive and let go. Um, I know for a lot of people in this room and a lot of people watching online, some of you might be thinking today, you know, Pastor, that's, this is all great, but you, you know, you're a preacher. You got little preacher problems. You know, you and PK wake up and you pray in the Holy Ghost all day and all night. And, you know, you just walk in the fog, you know, the favor of God. Come on, y'all, smile. You, you, you don't know what I'm, I'm dealing with, what I'm handling. And I, I just want to say to you today, I may not have been through exactly what it is you're going through, but I do understand what it is to hurt. I do understand what it is to be betrayed. I know what it is to, for, for you to be in a spot where it's really, really difficult to forgive. I understand and some of you, you've had a spouse betray you, and you think, how can I ever forgive them? Some of you, you got someone you trusted with everything, and they lied, and they deceived you. And you think, man, they've left me in a hard place. Some of you may be here, and it was a person who should have protected you, but instead of protecting you, they caused you more pain. How do I forgive that, Pastor? How do I let that go? Again, I'm not going to tell you it's easy, but I am going to say it's doable. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. How do we forgive that which seems unforgivable? Paul said we do it, we forgive as the Lord forgave us. So let me ask you a question for anybody who's struggling to forgive, anybody struggling to move forward, to let something go, has the Lord forgiven you of a lot of sins? I thought I would get a lot more amens on that. How many would say the Lord has forgiven me of a bunch of stuff, right? A bunch of stuff. He's been gracious. He's shown me forgiveness. So since the Lord has forgiven us of so much, he said, just as the Lord forgave you, that's how we forgive other people. So many times the reason we can't forgive other people for what they did is because we've forgotten what Jesus has done for us. I gave up on the claps and all that in the first service. So I'm kind of settled in. I know where we're at today. Um, but we forgive as Christ forgave us. Is it easy? No. Doable? Absolutely. He said, bear with each other and forgive one another. 
And this is the part that I kind of highlighted in my notes because we're dealing with a healthy house, and I just felt like I needed to tell somebody today who may be struggling to forgive, family is worth it. Family's worth it. It's worth to fight for your family, to figure out how you can forgive one another and, and to experience God's grace on your home. And if we're truly following Jesus, what do we do? We, when someone strikes us, we turn the other cheek. When someone asks for a shirt, we give them our coat also. That means that when the marriage gets tough, we don't just walk out and say, I'm not happy. It means we work through the issues. We don't write off our family members. We forgive as we've been forgiven. We show mercy as we have been shown mercy. That's what Jesus is teaching us. And while we're at it, if we're a follower of Jesus, we have to understand that family isn't just blood. We know family's blood. But family goes beyond that into the body of Christ. And when we act like Christ and we forgive like Christ and we show mercy like Christ, we make peace like Christ, we become children of God. We're called children of God. And I want to I just say this as, as I'm wrapping. There's so many ways I could go right here. But I want you to know that if you're in an abusive relationship, I wouldn't expect anybody to stay in that. If you're going home and somebody's physically, maybe even psychologically abusing you, get out of it. I, I get that. But I'm saying a lot of the normal, everyday problems, we need to be peacemakers. We need to have conversations. And let me say this about forgiveness. Just because everybody thinks that forgiveness always looks like restoration and now all we do is hug that person. Listen, you can forgive someone and keep them at a distance. Very, very important. Not every relationship where you extend forgiveness are you going to be walking hand in hand with them until Jesus comes. There are people I have forgiven, but they'll never be in the circle. Come on, y'all. I can love them from a distance. I, I'm not mad, not bitter, not any of that. But doesn't mean that you got to stay connected to some of the people that you release through forgiveness. Now, I'm going to close with this. I've, I've got three kids, and they all look a little bit like me. Just a little bit. Thankfully, they got a lot of their mama's genes. She looks a lot better than I do. Um, but they, they look a little bit like me because they're my kids. And um, the thing that happens when you and I do what Jesus has taught us to do, when we have pure hearts, we talked about it last week, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, that was week one, and we become peacemakers and we start making peace in our home and in relationships that we have, do you know every time we do that, we are looking more and more like our Father. We are looking more and more like Jesus. Every single time we do it, we are reflecting the image of God. And he said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. We are not just a cultural Christian family. We are a Christ-centered family. And I want you to remind you one more time, family is worth the fight family's worth the fight. I want you to stand all over the room this morning. I want you to bow your heads for just a minute and close your eyes. 
prayer team and staff, you can go ahead and come forward. Compass directors, if you need to get in place, you can go ahead and feel free to do that. I'm going to give a couple different altar calls today because I believe God wants to do something supernatural in this room. If you're in this room today and you'd say, Pastor, I don't have peace, but it's because I'm not in relationship with Jesus. I, I'm, I need to make peace with God. I need to make some things right with God. If that's you today, I, you, you may just say, I just need to repent, turn from my sin, and follow Jesus. That's where I'm at, Pastor. I don't have peace because I haven't done that. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? You say, that's me, but I, I want to make some changes today. I want to follow Jesus. Anyone at all, thanks for this hand in the middle. God bless you. Thanks for this hand. God bless you. Anyone else? You say, you're talking to me. I want to make some things right with God. Anyone else? Every voice lifted. I want you to pray with me. Out loud where you can hear it with your own ears. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me for all my sins be my Lord and my Savior I'm going to follow you to the best of my ability for the rest of my days in Jesus name amen amen come on let's give him a big hand clap right here in the middle right here yes come on you can do better than that come on that's salvation it's good stuff Prayer team, staff, you guys are ready. Now, here, here's the next part of this. And PK, I almost stuck my head out of that curtain and said, go ahead and preach. Just go ahead. You, you got it today because she hit the nail on the head. So many times we sit and we listen to sermons and we know we need to make change. We know we need to respond. We know we need God to show up. And for whatever reason, we stay in our seats and our pride won't let us. What will people think? They'll think my family's falling apart or I don't have it together. Well, here's the news, guy. None of us have it all together. Jesus is the only one that has it all together. This altar is not a place to bring some kind of embarrassment to you. An altar is a place where man meets with God because we're not perfect, because we do need Him, because we need the Holy Spirit to show up. So I want you to know today, I want you to know today, you can respond to this altar. Our, our ministry, our prayer team ministry is going to be ready to pray with you for you. I believe you can be healed. I believe you can be delivered. I believe you can experience peace. I believe that a wounded heart can be healed today in this altar. If you believe it, give Jesus one more hand clap of praise today. Come on, church. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.